When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Make You Well Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now is Rick Camp from 4 for 4 and BetSports. Talk a little NBA here. And obviously, the big news of the morning is James Harden has been traded from the Sixers to the Clippers. P.J. Tucker also part of the package in return. Philadelphia is getting Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, and a bunch of draft picks. What does this mean for the Clippers and the Sixers? And... As far as the ceiling, can either of them conceivably win a championship now? I'd still be very surprised if the Clippers could at this point. I I like the trade actually a bit for both sides. I think the Clippers did give up a ton in draft capital because something that just came out and it's fairly minutiae is that 2026 pick is from Oklahoma City. They're giving that up to get a pick swap from the Clippers in 27. So the Thunder are saying, we're going to be better than you in 27. So that's going to end up pretty great for us, you know, because when you bet on crazy things happening involving Russell Westbrook or James Harden and those teams, it's worked out pretty well for the team betting against them. I mm-hmm. do think Harden is good for the Clippers in general because they need someone to organize their offense desperately. However, it can't be Harden ball. So if a lot of what was being said about him wanting to do the Harden thing is true, this isn't going to work. And I do want to know where the ball movement's going to come from because their their best connector that was with their starting unit was Nick Batum. And that's part of the reason I like him going to Philly a lot as part of, you know, basically defensive versatility goes from the Clippers to the Sixers. So while I think the, the Clippers, their ceiling's higher than it was, I don't think it's a title ceiling. I don't even necessarily know if it's a division ceiling. And for the Sixers, this is, uh, I, it's all about Embiid. Is he willing to say, hey, if Daryl Murray go to him and be like, look at all this stuff. We can be good. We can be better and have better fit now overall. Be good, maybe three, four seed, and just hope to get to the conference finals this year. But in the off season, we can really go at it because now they have max cap space and they have draft capital. So they could either take on someone via trade. They could work in free agency if they want to get maybe Siakam or Ananobi, something along those lines. There's a lot of options for Philly. So I like it for them long-term, short-term for the Clippers. I kind of get it, but I do think they gave up too much. But Tucker to fill out their team being someone that'll play a size role for them, even though he's short, is should work out pretty well for them. But the Clippers, uh, the one thing I still worry about the Clippers a bit, outside of all the obvious stuff, is they got a lot smaller and not as deep. Uh, can't be looking forward to running down all your uh, calls on awards. Uh, still a lot of numbers that were available at the start of the season still out there. And, you know, probably with the harder news in our space, a lot of the, the chatter would be what's an overreaction. And early mm-hmm. in the season, some things have gone as expected. Okay, Boston's undefeated. Your boys, the Denver Nuggets, still undefeated. Perfect 4-0 start for them. But then we've got the Memphis Grizzlies. 
a team that I was hearing a lot all offseason. Oh, don't worry about no jaw. It's going to be fine. I want to bet them for the number one seed. I want to bet them for best record. Here they sit 0-4. Any way-too-early takeaways on the Memphis Grizzlies? I think the high-end outcomes are gone because a lot of those those thoughts were given before Steven Adams was ruled out for the year. And it sounds kind of dumb to be like, well, Steven yeah. Adams matters that much, but he really does for the way they want to play. They like to control the boards. They need someone to be real sturdy on the interior next to Jaron Jackson Jr. And he was able to do that. And I mean, Xavier Tillman is serviceable. He's fine, but he's not really going to be above average at, at much of anything for you. Adams matters so much for their pick and roll game because he's one of the best screeners in the league. He's a guy that cleans up the offensive glass really well. Uh, I, and also there's just a bunch of other injuries for them. Yes. Jaw is out, but then you're losing some of your depth as well. And the depth has been one of the things that's helped Memphis over the last few seasons. So it'll get better, but those top end outcomes are certainly off the table for them. If for no other reason, than starting 0 four, it's tough to bounce back too much from that. And just seeing with no Steven Adams, I mean, they're really going to be thin on that front line. And if Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't better about getting his foul troubles under control to provide more stability, I mean, their rim protection could really take a hit. Rick, I'm curious, uh, talking about the Grizzlies, just leading right into how you rate the Western Conference. We've got, obviously, the Nuggets as the favorite to win the West. And basically, the Suns are like co-favorites because I'm seeing plus 270 for the Nuggets, plus 280 for the Suns. Then there's a big drop-off. You got the Warriors 7-1, to the Clippers 7-1, to uh, Lakers 9-1, to Mavs 12-1, to and then the Grizzlies 17-1, to and then just keep going. So wh where would you be placing your futures, if any, right now, early in the season? I think Denver's at a tier all to themselves right now. And I'm trying to hold myself back a little bit just because I, I've been on this team for, for years. Like Joe knows this more than anybody, but it's so easy right now. Obviously they're not as deep as they have been in the past, even though their benches look good so far, you have to avoid a major injury to Murray or Porter, because even though there's plenty of jokes to be made about Michael Porter jr. He does play a big role for them in terms of being a secondary rebounder, a guy who is just lethal from outside and a guy who can create, like a tertiary creator. He can definitely do that. So all those guys are huge for them. Can they miss one of them for, you know, a shorter stint? Sure. But if any of those guys go out long-term, it hurts them. But I, I really think they're in a class by themselves right now in the West. There's just so many questions with everybody else. I think we might be doing what we did last year, and we're all just overthinking it a little bit. And they are the team. And right now, I'm very much wait and see with everybody else in the West. I don't feel any any rush to bet anybody else just because there's so many questions around every other team. I don't know with all the age in Golden State, same with the Clippers, and we got to see how it looks. You know, we barely seen the Suns together. So they have some they have some depth pieces that have been playing pretty well. We might get to that in a little bit. But I mean, that's I just don't want to touch anything else in the West at the moment. Rick, one last question before we move on from this James Harden trade. Are there individual awards that you would tail or fade because of this news? I think Norm Powell is done for sixth man of the year. 
Bones Highland mm. was already eating into his role a little bit, but now with the Clippers being so guard heavy, when is Powell going to close games? When is Powell going to hit 30 minutes? You know, are there going to be games where someone's sitting out and maybe they do that? Sure, but if it's Kawhi that's sitting, like you can't play a lineup with Westbrook, Harden, Powell, and Paul George and with, let's say, Zubats or Tucker closing or whatever. That's just so small. So I think he's the guy that gets squeezed, and he's still right there in the odds board to where unless there's a major injury, I don't know how he has enough of a role to win sixth man. So that's one that I I think is totally off the table and something that I think is, hey, he's the favorite and he absolutely should be now. And I think it was probably baked in anyway, but Maxi for most improved. I think as long as he stays healthy, he's going to have every opportunity to win that award. And the only question I really have is, how many voters are going to say, well, he was already too good and he just can't win most improved because he was already there. Has he really gotten that much better or is it just, he's had more opportunity? I do think that's a question. However, he absolutely should be the favorite. And I'm very happy that, you know, you always have a future or something, a bet that you totally forgot about that you made months earlier. I was mm-hmm. going through, I was going through, uh, my open bets and I found a maxi 35 to one to win most improved from like late June. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, this morning as maxi's definitely got every chance to win most improved. Yeah. We're going to do that in about 10 minutes when we uh, go to the graveyard and talk about our bets that are dead here on this Halloween. That's going to be a lot of fun <laughs> to dig up those old wounds. Uh, everyone talks about MVP and rookie of the year for obvious reasons. But it, you start going over most improved. Run down the other awards that you like. And if the current number uh, you find bettable, because I know you've got plays on coach of the year, um, clutch player, defensive player, like all those other awards outside of MVP and um, rookie. I know some of these are, are pretty square with what has been said a lot preseason, but Rick Carlisle mm-hmm. in Indiana, even though they take a tough loss to the Bulls last night, that was kind of a weird game. Uh, I, I like him because I think the Pacers could be pretty darn good in the Eastern Conference, like kind of a best of the rest type situation where they're one of those teams that's fighting for that six seed. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely on the table for them. And then I think they're definitely a play-in team at a minimum. If Orlando keeps playing well, Jamal Mosley should be up there. And then out West... I've been, I know I'm, I'm probably just, you know, a sicko with it, but if Minnesota can make it look good, Chris Finch is respected as a coach, as a tactician, and he can say, Hey, this weird thing that my front office put together that probably the owners pushed for, I'm making it work. So if Minnesota is able to be like a, a home court team in the first round, or at least like pushing for in that 45 to 50 win range, I think they absolutely have an opportunity for Chris Finch to win coach of the year. That's funny you brought up the T-Wolves because Paul and I were just discussing that last week. Like, do we want to get involved? I don't know. Can they put it all together? (laughs) Let's look at tonight. We got a few games on this Halloween NBA slate. I'll open it up to you. Anything that stands out to you matchup-wise? Because I know not everything is posted this early in the morning. One that I put in just before I came on with you guys, and it's a total just 
shot in the dark, just noticing how few people are actually playing for the Clippers tonight because of obviously the trade, but also Terrence Mann is out. Zubats is questionable. Powell is questionable. They might only have eight or nine guys available. And they're playing the Orlando Magic, who are on the second night of an L.A. back-to-back. If there was ever a time for Russell Westbrook to get a triple-double, it's tonight. Uh That is posted. There's not many places they have it open right now, but if you build it manually, you're looking at about 28 to 1. If you take the stock just to get a triple-double, that's 25 to 1. So if you want to, you know, put a little something on that, I did it because at that point, why not? He's going to get minutes. He's going to get his counting stats. So I think it's it's absolutely worth a stab at that price. Another, I mentioned, you know, role players for the Phoenix Suns with Booker and Beal out. Jordan Goodwin was kind of a throw in in the Chris Paul trade and all the everything that went every direction. He's good, like at least good as a bench guy who can fill a role for you, like a bigger dude. He's like 6'3". He's been great on the glass. Four-plus boards in every game. And the the first game where Beal sat, I mean, his five-plus boards was at about four to one. And that was, you know, that was a nice hit for me. But over rebounds for Jordan Goodwin, I'm assuming it'll probably post at like three and a half. If it's around three and a half minus 110, I think that's absolutely a play in that game. And then I haven't played it yet. I want to see what Wambanyama turnovers looks like because he's getting every opportunity to make all the mistakes right now, which is fine. That's what he should be doing. But it's also resulting in plenty of turnovers. And while Phoenix, you know, I don't know about their defense as much, especially for whoever would be guarding Wambanyama. You know, is that going to be Durant? They'll probably have him on there, but I don't know how much he's going to be pushing for uh, steals or anything like that. But the turnovers should be there. He's been around five each game. So I like Wambanyama turnovers, Jordan Goodwin rebounds, and that Russell Westbrook triple-double is uh, something that's just, it's too tempting to pass right now. Boy, we're getting retro when it comes to talking about uh, some key LA Clippers. That's how we know uh, we're in for a treat there. Uh, When I'm looking at the Knicks and the Cavs for tonight, uh, Cleveland at home, but they're two and a half point dogs. I I get that the Cavs last year seemed like a completely different playoff team versus a regular season team. Is that kind of the makeup of who they're going to be again, where certainly you can back them in key regular season spots, but we don't have a whole lot of faith in them once they get to the Eastern Conference playoffs? Probably. I I, I think so. Like right now, I'm not sweating the Cavs not looking great right now because when you don't have Garland, Mitchell's questionable. Like they need their dudes. Like they're not the deepest team in the world. And that's part of the reason that, you know, I like their, I like their depth now a little bit better with getting Struess and Niang. And did they overpay for them? Yeah, probably. But I mean, they were in a spot where they needed to, they absolutely had to get shooters to help space the floor for everyone they have. And obviously not having Jared Allen either puts a lot more on Evan Mobley's plate, but may also be an interesting opportunity for them to see what this team looks like with Mobley and no Allen. So yeah, regular season team. I still think they'll probably end up being close to 50 wins again. 
Good stuff. Rick Camp from 4 for 4, Bet Spurts, and the I'm Fat podcast. And you can see the artwork over his right shoulder. Nicely done there. Rick, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we go off the board on this Halloween to bury our scariest and spookiest worst NFL bets right here on the BetQL Network.